excited today to have Peter Zion, a geopolitical strategist, very well-known author and fantastic speaker, as well as a consultant who analyzes the realities of geography and populations to deepen our understanding of how global politics impacts markets and economic trends. Boy, talk about timing, Peter. You got to be one of the most uh, sought after <laughs> speakers ever right now. It's, uh, it's definitely a busy time. I'm basically not home at all for the next few months. <laughs> well, recently I was part of a team that helped bring Peter into a large conference for the Association for Corporate Growth, which was 600 business leaders that heard Peter and one of the best conferences and attendances we ever had, and then had some opportunities to work with him one-on-one -on -one with a group as well. So all these folks, Peter, want me to ask a whole bunch of questions. So first, what should we look for from global leaders to support their countries at this time of serious you know, economic uncertainty? Sure. So the, the global system, as we understand it, global trade, global connections, global finance, global energy, all of that, that's going away. We're going to a much more regionalized system where a local power is able to kind of project a sphere of security around their own local interests but can't really interact in any sort of meaningful corporate way with areas beyond. Now, the U.S. will obviously have the biggest of those bubbles, but it does mean that you have to start thinking locally and regionally when it comes to sourcing raw materials and serving markets. So the idea that you can just kind of shout out into the ether and that someone in China will build the widget that you want, that's going to go away. You're going to need a much tighter, more discreet, uh, more compact, more aware supply chain network to get whatever it is that you need. And that means thinking a lot more interpersonal connections, a lot more interbusiness, and even intercountry connections, but within a much smaller circle of nations. So you must be getting so many questions from people. What's the key question that you're getting right now from your audiences? China, 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 China. Everybody is wanting to know how fast that this will happen. And if you had asked me back in early January, I would have said that this is going to probably be a three to a six year process. Uh, it's going to straddle whoever the next administration happens to be. And bit by bit, for purposes of costs and market, Americans are moving their supply chains out of China. Mm -hmm. They're moving them to Mexico. They're bringing them home. Part of that is demography because we actually have a replacement level population growth. And part of that is shale. And part of that is transport and risk. You know, it all makes sense. Then coronavirus comes along. And all of a sudden, it's gone from three to six years to like one to two years. Mm -hmm. uh, people are now understanding that the disruptions that we have are just absolutely monumental. Uh, and the really fun thing from my point of view is the United States is the least involved economy in the world in terms of trade as a percent of GDP. So for us, this transition, transition will be jarring, but it'll be relatively brief and we'll come out of it much stronger. For everyone else who is dependent upon those sort of interconnections, uh, the shattering capacity is just huge. So everything's just kind of kicked into high gear in the last two months. And I think you wrote in a recent Twitter feed that you wanted to shift the conversation on the coronavirus to this is one of the most positive things that's happened in the global economy. So it's giving us, I think you called it a rare gift, a glimpse into the future is that that's really what's happening in your view. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, if you're like me and you, you see the global system as a relic of an age gone by and it's leaving for various reasons, then the world is going to have to adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened with the Chinese and the Wuhan virus and the, the couple of months of quarantine is we got a very clear 
glimpse as to what the world looks like in a world where China does not meaningfully participate in supply chains. And companies today are kind of falling into two general categories. On the one hand, you've got basically most of the automotive sector who realizes their, their vulnerability and they're working with the Mexicans to build up alternatives. On the other hand, you've got Silicon Valley and big tech who just assumes that this is just a temporary thing and business will go back to usual as soon as the coronavirus passes. And that's, that's just wrong. And if you're looking for a specific company to be worried about, Apple is the American firm that has resisted diversification of the supply chain system for years and is by far the most dependent upon the Chinese. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk a moment. If you are an executive of a U.S.-based company, let's say in the service sector, what do you tell employees who are wondering what is my work going to look like in the <laughs> next few months or years? Well, for the next few months, we are going to get very good at working remotely because we won't have a choice. So expect mm -hmm. a lot of these technologies that we have seen developing bit by bit to really kick into high gear. Uh, we're going to really be stressing our information infrastructure to a high degree. I, you know, I can't think of a, a better argument in this country for developing some sort of indigenous 5G transfer system because we're going to need it and we're going to see very clearly uh, that we've got the demand for it moving forward. Uh, second, learn to speak Spanish. I mean, it goes for business leaders, it goes for workers. Uh, the country that the United States is by far the most integrated with is not Canada, it is Mexico. It is a position they will not give up in our lives. And as the Chinese fumble and as the rest of the world cracks, the American-Mexican relationship will only become thicker and more robust. Uh, so best to get used to that. Um, in fact, anyone who is able to be a first mover on that is going to be able to set the tone for what business and governance looks like in the United States for the next 30 years. Well, and, and yet in many of our markets, manufacturing can't have their employees work from home. Yes. So no. how's, how's that going to work? That is, that is absolutely going to be a disruption and there's no way around that. Now, uh, the partial emphasis on the word partial solution to that is integrating with a lot more things like machine shops where you've got a small number of people mm -hmm. working on a relatively large floor uh, that minimizes the chances for um, viral uh, contamination. Uh, a couple things to keep in mind with that though, uh, good and bad. The cost of updating the technological infrastructure of a machine shop is nominal. Their ability to do a technological update is huge. Uh, so we are probably going to be seeing a quantum leap in what we do in manufacturing over the next couple of years simply because of coronavirus. It's going to force us to work differently. And the more that you put into small operations like machine shops, the faster you're going to have to overhaul everything else when this things get back to quote normal unquote. Uh, that's going to be awkward. Uh, it's going to be blazing and the companies that are blazing speed and the companies that are able to adapt to that are going to get such a huge competitive advantage in their industry. Um, if you're anywhere in the country, the best place to participate in this in some way is linking into the Texan-Mexican link because they've got the capacity to bring cheap power, cheap land, cheap food, and no income tax into whatever your network happens to be. And if you can bring the technology to that party, you're set. Wow. And, and Peter, one of the questions that I'm also hearing you know, asked of me frequently is, well, let's just talk about conventions, uh, sales shows, 
travel. What are you seeing play out there? Because so many of us make our living by attending and traveling, including yourself. <laughs> Tell me about what, it. What's, what's that looking like? Yeah, it's like I, I basically make my living getting on planes and going between large groups of people. So it's like I'm expecting some pretty significant disruption. Uh, as of at, at present, I've only had one cancellation. And for my personal finances, that's fantastic. Uh, for the healthcare system in the United States, that worries me a little bit. Um, the problem is that we just are not in a position yet as a country to have a really informed picture of what's going on. Uh, the United States still doesn't have 1% of the test kits that it needs in order to monitor this. So we should just assume that it's spreading everywhere pretty quickly. Uh, it's very virulent. Uh, you can have the virus for five days and show no symptoms, but it be contagious the whole time. That's a problem. Uh, probably what we're looking at is a de facto suspension of most of that sort of corporate activity for two to three months. Mm -hmm. um, and the technology that is necessary to link people together in a large group just isn't far enough to be able to apply it in mass in that time frame. So we're going to have to have a pause. Now, for companies that are able to implement the technology they have, that's a wonderful opportunity. Adversity provides opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but for most of that, that means we're, we're almost certainly going to have a recession. So then let me ask this question, which is certainly pretty prominent today. How is this going to impact uh, the presidential election? <laughs> well, a um, couple things to keep in mind. Number one, campaigning usually requires candidates uh, running around for long hours speaking with large groups of people. Uh, six of seven cases of coronavirus are so mild that people mistake it for a very, very mild cold, and they never even think about anything more than that. But uh, one in six cases of people over 70 result in death. And we now have three people running for president who are over 70. So it's entirely possible on the back end of this that we might not even need an election because there might only be one person left standing. <laughs> uh, That's a really interesting take. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Well, there was discussion about how the DNC convention here in Milwaukee, um, there's talk about, is that even going to take place? Yeah, it's too soon to know. Um, yeah. The next big benchmark when it comes to getting good information is the third week of March. Because okay. at that point, the Koreans will have had their epidemic for a month. And the Koreans had 90% of the cases they have in that country uh, have been diagnosed in the last 15 days. So this spreads fast, it spreads big, and the Koreans are very good at testing, and the Koreans have a first world medical system, the Koreans don't have a penchant for lying about everything as their first instinct. So Korea is the first country with a first world medical system that is going to have good data, and at that point, then we can start putting some brackets around what all this means. But until then, it's kind of limited to educated guesses. Well, Peter, this has been fantastic, and how can our, our listeners learn on an ongoing basis what you're experiencing and what you're recommending. I know the book Disunited Nations just came out, I believe, uh, first part of March, getting great reviews. But what else? Twitter? How, how else can we stay connected to you? I've got a newsletter that goes out irregularly. And if uh, more events get canceled, there'll probably be more newsletters. You can sign up for that <laughs> at Zion.com. So that's Z-E-I-H-A-N.com. And my Twitter feed is at Peter Zion. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I know that so many of our uh, colleagues are going to do that. And it's been terrific uh, talking with you today. And we will all stay tuned. So thank you so much and uh, safe travels for, the, for those that you have moving forward. And really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Best of luck.